two big lessons there are, first of all, fall in love with the customer's problem, not the solution. And the second lesson is watch what customers do, not what they say. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everyone, today I'm really excited to introduce Karen Peacock, who is the COO of Intercom, which is, well, a chat company. I shouldn't call it a chat company. It's a market-leading customer communication platform used by businesses to acquire, engage, and support customers to drive growth. We love it. We talk about it all the time, and we use it pretty frequently. So, Karen, thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Eric. Great to be here. Yeah. So thanks for being here. And I guess maybe you can kick things off by going a little deeper into kind of who Intercom serves and maybe you can do a better job of explaining what Intercom is. <laughs> Happy to do that. So Intercom is a growth platform and we help sales, marketing and support teams grow their business. And specifically then what we do is we help companies acquire customers. We help them onboard and engage those customers, get them coming back, doing more, buying more. And we help companies support and retain their customers. So if you think of a, a, a specific example, we're an overall integrated platform, but probably the, the product that we're most well known for is our Intercom Messenger. And you'll see that in the lower right-hand corner of lots of websites out there. Our customers are um, companies like Shopify, Atlassian, Expensify, and about 30,000 others. So if you have interacted with a, um, a messenger bubble in the lower right-hand corner of a website, there's a, there's a good chance that's Intercom. And what people are using Intercom for in that case is to help them acquire customers. Basically, we all get many, many visitors to our website, most of whom don't end up becoming paying customers, right? And so what Intercom does is it helps companies convert more visitors to their website into qualified leads and paying customers. In fact, what we typically see is our customers increase their conversion um, when they start using Intercom by 82%. So we're all about helping companies drive growth. Yeah, actually, I mean, I, I can even share a, a case study around that just to show the validity of, of what Karen's saying. So we've had Intercom sitting on our site and we just hadn't had someone like fully full time managing the, the the bot until recently where um, one of my friends runs a service that actually they'll manage your your your, your bot like 24 seven. And literally what started to happen, like overnight, we started to get these these leads, you know, some company, uh, you know, they raised like $200 million. And it's like another big company over here. Here's Pepsi Cola, all coming through the bot. And I just was shocked by by what I saw. So um, I think those numbers are, are really valid. And I guess since people love listening to numbers on this podcast, what other numbers can you share around how the business is doing right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the things I think is really exciting is um, that we now have over 500 million conversations happening every month 
on the Intercom platform. And that's a conversation between um, a business and that business's customer. Um, so over 500 million of those conversations happening every month, and that's nearly doubling year over year. So we're really excited about that growth. We also, um, you talked a little bit about what are the types of companies who we serve or who buy Intercom. It's anyone from real startups to big established businesses. I, I mentioned companies like Atlassian and Shopify, New Relic's a customer of ours. We have a, a IBM, Microsoft. So we have a lot of uh, large customers, but we also are very much focused on helping startups grow. And in fact, um, we partner with Y Combinator and of the most recent Y Combinator class that, that just recently graduated, of anyone using any type of messaging service, over 80% use Intercom. So we're very much become part of the default tech stack for startups looking to grow. Wonderful. And you also have a startup program too, not even just white, not even just limited to white combinator, right? That's exactly right. So anyone who is um, a part of an early stage startup, whether it's venture funded or not, can apply to be part of our early stage program and you get all of Intercom for just $49 a month. Um, and that's a fixed amount there. So um, amazing way to, to get started. And for anybody, it's free to start Intercom. We've got a free trial and then you go from there. Great. And how does Intercom make money? Yep. Um, so we make money on subscription services. Um, so we charge a fee to people, which is um, we aim to have it be aligning to value. So as you use Intercom more and more and you have more and more active users that you are reaching out to, whether that's leads or customers, or if you have more and more people who are using Intercom in your company, i.e. seats, then we charge you more for that. So we try to align the price to value and start really small and grow with, uh, with larger companies and companies getting more value. Love it. So I want to come back to Intercom in a second, but your story looks really interesting, not even just back to, I mean, where you came from just previously, but also education wise. So you got a BA in applied mathematics from Harvard, and then you got an MBA from Stanford. And then all of a sudden you go on to lead your SVP of small business and Intuit, and now you're the COO of Intercom. So I guess, can you talk about how that foundation started and how it led up to where you are now? Sure, absolutely. Um, maybe I'll start uh, with my undergrad. So I've always been um, very um, analytical, quantitative, and results-oriented. And that's part of what I love doing at Intercom now, which is all about helping our customers grow, driving business growth. I also, as a part of that applied math background, um, studied um, AI and um, machine learning back before it was even called a bunch of those things. And uh, I've always had a belief in the power of automation and human judgment. Um, and that combination is very much one of the things that, that we're focusing on here, here at Intercom. I actually took a little bit of time um, back, probably about a year, a half a year, year and a half ago, um, to kind of get back to my technical roots. Um, and we, I built out the heart of a neural network algorithm rhythm that helps you uh, recognize handwritten digits. Now, does that have any application to my life? No. Is it like production grade? No. But it, it is something that it's a real passion for me in believing in the power of technology and automation to make all of our lives better when combined with bots and people, for example. Wow. I find it hard to believe that none of that applies to like what you're doing over there intercom. Well, it, it does. I probably I probably overstated that, but I'm not, put it this way, I'm not on the engineering team. You don't want to lie to my code uh, going into production. <laughs> uh, but I do have a real appreciation and understanding for how technology works. And I think that helps me both build better products and have a good sense of what um, our customers need. Got it. Okay. Great. So that that's your your undergrad, and that that go into your MBA, or I guess we can continue the story of of Karen. I want to keep going. 
Okay, sure, sure. Um, went to business school after that at, at Stanford, and then um, uh, moved into the startup world. Was with a couple of different startups over the years, um, and then moved to Intuit, um, where I was for a number of years. Um, and most recently, before I joined Intercom, I was the senior vice president of small business at Intuit, where I was responsible for all of Intuit's products and services for small business, including QuickBooks, accounting, payroll, and payments. It's about a two point five billion dollar business overall. And in my years at Intuit, I did a lot of different things. So for example, I started a business from zero and grew it to about 50 million in recurring revenue. I took another business I took over at about 30 million in revenue and was able to grow that to about 100 million. And then a, there's a third business that I was leading that I started at about, about 100 million and was able to grow it to about 500 million in annual recurring revenue. So I love driving business growth. Wow. Okay. That's a really impressive, I mean, th- those three things right there are, are, are huge, right? I guess, but like, how does Intercom or like any company out there, like once any SaaS company sees those numbers, those kinds of results, everyone should be chomping at the bit, right? So I guess, how did Intercom even find out about all the work that you did there? Because I'm sure it's not public that you did all that, right? Well, probably some of that is public. Um, I got to know Intercom through a, a couple of different ways. And um, as I started chatting with the founders of Intercom, just realized there was a, a real fit for me, both in terms of basically the, the first time that I saw and used the Intercom product was a lightning bolt moment for me. And I looked at it and I realized immediately this was the product that I had needed in every single tech business I had ever run. <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, right. I have to be a part of this. I understand that need firsthand. I want this. I wish I had had it one year ago. I wish I had had it five years ago. And I can imagine where we can take this. So I saw and felt that that customer need and pain firsthand. I loved the team and uh, was excited to get to be a part of it. That's great. Okay, so I, I guess maybe one of the questions is, so you said, uh, and I'm probably botching the number, so you said 0 to 50, 0 to 100, and 100 to like 800? 500, uh-huh. To 500, okay, so somewhat close. Okay, so what are some <laughs> trends that you've seen in, in, in doing that three times? Yeah, so one of the first things that I would say is focus on the customer's problem, not on your solution. Don't get too caught up in your own growth and your own excitement about who you are. Stay really routed in your customer and their problem. And maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll share with you an example of a time I did not do that. So a cautionary tale. Would that be helpful? Mm-hmm. So a number of years ago when I was at Intuit, I was leading product management for QuickBooks, the, the flagship product. And it was my my first time in kind of a um, leading a, a massive product of that size. And so I wanted to figure out how could we improve it? How could we make it better? And so I and my team went out and spent a bunch of time with customers. So far, so good, right? Nothing wrong with that. And then we asked them, what is it that you most want or need from from this product? Like, what are we missing? What what do you most hope for? What do you wish for? And they they really came back with one answer. Lots of different ideas, but but the leading answer um, across all the companies we talked to was budgeting. We want to be able to do budgeting. I mean, that was a kind of a feature or capability that the product didn't have at that point. And so we thought, fantastic, we're going to build budgeting. And we set out to do that. And we did rapid prototypes and we brought customers in. We had them play with the prototypes. We refined them. We iterated. We got to the point where customers were like, yeah, this is a great budgeting tool. And we built it and we shipped it and we celebrated. And you know what happened? Nobody. Nobody used it. Mm-hmm. Nobody used it. So why? Why did nobody use it? And so we went back to try to figure that out. And what we realized was that 
budgeting was a solution, not actually the real problem. And so we, we set out to figure out what the real problem was. Why were people asking us for budgeting? And so we watched small businesses. And what we realized they, they did was no small business owner ever sits down and says, okay, today, Monday at 3 p.m. is when I'm going to spend two hours doing budgeting. <laughs> budgeting is something you do tomorrow. And for most people or many people, it never comes. And so we watched what, what customers actually did. And what they actually did was they had a whole stack of bills that they needed to pay. I mean, oftentimes it would be even a physical stack. And they'd go through that and they would, they would tally it up. They would try to shuffle it. They'd figure out what were the bills that they had to pay now and which were the ones that they could get away with not paying, which are the ones they could be a little bit late on and it would be all right. And they would compare that to their bank account balance. They'd compare that to how much all of their customers owed them kind of outstanding invoices and figure out like, okay, how can I cover all of this? What we realized there was that the real problem was not budgeting. The problem was I don't have enough money to pay my bills. Mm. And so as we stepped back and thought about that problem and fell in love with that problem, we realized the solution was around cash management. And so we gave them a tool to basically figure out which were the bills they could pay and how. And so sort of my, my two big lessons there, and this is really around, I'd say, finding product market fit. Two big lessons there are, first of all, fall in love with the customer's problem, not the solution. And the second lesson is watch what customers do, not what they say. Because the mistake that we made was we listened to what they said. They said, we want budgeting. And we said, fantastic, we will build that. And we didn't watch the fact that they never actually did budgeting. <laughs> what they did was this kind of bill shuffling. And that was the real problem. So that was a, a huge insight for me of, of um, really focusing on the customer's problem as a way to drive great products and build big businesses. What was that Henry Ford quote again? I know that you can have a, color, a car in any color as long as it's black. <laughs> that one's definitely a quote. And I think another one was like, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said they wanted a faster horse. Yes. So sometimes people don't know what they want or what they need. That's exactly right. Cool. So do you have like this intercom, because intercom has a lot of ton of great content on the site. And I remember, um, actually I was reading a while back about the, in terms of running experimentations, you guys have a post on, on rice. It's not even just the ice model. You, you added something else to it. So do you have any, I guess what I'm getting at is, do you have any type of like Karen's formulas for, for doing product, uh, product development, customer development, anything like that? Good question. So I would say um, we have a series of books. And so for folks out there, uh, Intercom has both a free blog and a series of books that um, if you've never uh, checked out before, you should. It's all free. And we've got books on uh, building product, exactly as you were talking about here, Eric. We've got books on onboarding, um, on marketing. We've got a lot of content on sales. So you can, uh, Intercom is a great resource and you'll see both my writing and um, the writings, a number of us across Intercom available for free with our are kind of learning from there. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of the way I think about it, I always start by the framework that I use is think about an important or find an important unmet need that your customer has. Number one, make sure it's big enough. So if you want to build a big business, start with a big problem. You've got a small problem, small business. <laughs> um, so find a big problem and a big unmet customer need. Number one, then figure out how you and the ecosystem of partners or others around you can solve that well. And three, do it in a way that you can build durable competitive advantage. 
Got it. Okay, cool. There's three steps right there. We'll drop it in the in the show notes. And do you have anything? I, I guess I, I'm always assuming that whenever um, I talk to someone at, at, at Intercom, there's always like some in-depth posts that they have written somewhere else. Do you have anything in-depth that written by maybe you personally? There are a number of things on our uh, on our our blog, and um, I just wrote a lot for our Intercom on marketing and Intercom on onboarding books as well. So you can go check those out. Cool. Wonderful. Well, I know we only have a couple minutes left, so we'll work towards wrapping up. And by the way, um, yours truly is also in one of the growth books, I believe. So go out there and download. I'm, I'm plugging myself now. Excellent. Yep, you absolutely are. Thanks very much, Eric. Yeah, you're welcome. So, okay. So former SVP of small business at Intuit. So I, I guess maybe I always like talking about teams too. So you have experience leading teams from, uh, and my notes here says 50 to like 500 people. Is that true? Or is it like a different number? Yep. That's exactly right. Okay. So what have you learned from building teams from like a size of 50 where you go to like, a, let's just call it a much larger number, 10X of 500. So what, what have you seen from that? What lessons have you learned? Great question. So I would say number one, having the right team and uh, direct reports around you is really critical. Hiring is super important and I'm happy to, happy to have a, a longer conversation or chat now a little bit about some of my philosophies around hiring. Yes, please. But hire great people. Okay, perfect. So, so if I could give you just one tip about hiring, actually I'll give you two. I would say in your hiring process, as much as possible, put people in the job. So if you're hiring somebody to be a growth marketer, give them a take-home assignment to figure out one first thing they would do to drive growth for the business. So think about what you would actually want them to do in day one, week one, month one, and actually have them do that either real-time in a conversation with you, or better yet, give them a little bit of time to think about it because most of life is not real time. Most of the time you actually have a little bit of time to um, think about things even for an hour or for a day. So put people in the job as a part of your interview process. It's good for you because you know what you're getting and it's good for them because they know the type of work you're going to want them to do and they can actually try it out and make sure it feels like it's the right fit for them. So that's number one. And I would say number two, reference check. And I'm always a believer in very late in the process, after you have done a lot of interviews and in a very confidential way, find back channel references who have worked with the person that you're talking to. What's back channel mean? And by back channel, I mean, don't just ask the person for the three people that they've worked with. Figure out who you know in common with this person, even if it's one or two steps removed and get to have a conversation with that person. So then it's a real kind of in the wild test of finding a person who had interacted with a candidate that you're talking to and uh, understand their um, their experiences in working with that person. Now, I know that it's only one or two data points and super importantly, make sure that it's not somebody who's at the company that the person is still at and make sure that you're doing it in a way that very much respects that person's confidentiality. That's also why I'd only do that late in the process. So you're only doing that with a candidate who you think you want to hire versus with 20 candidates out there. Those two are, are tremendous tips. So, so thank you for that. And actually, I just remembered something. I was meeting with a friend yesterday that um, he, he was part of this really big startup and they hired someone that was leading sales. And for months, this person was literally doing nothing. And this person was running circles around like the executive team and all that. But long story short, basically, they didn't test this person and they didn't reference check this person enough. And they had this person literally VP of sales, a hyper growth company doing over 100 million AR a year. And that's what can happen sometimes when you don't follow these two steps from Karen. So make sure you do that. Awesome. So a couple other things and and then we'll be all set here. But 
Um, right now, I mean, with Intercom, like you were one of the first to pop up, like the you know bottom right corner. It's like okay, that that's the, that's the little that you know you know the for sure that's Intercom. But right now, like recently, ton of competitors are popping up, and it's really fierce competition. So, and you know, when I went to Saster last year, you you guys had like a platinum booth and all that. You had newspapers. You're really putting your best foot forward. So, I'm I guess my question right now is, how are you fending off this competition because they're coming hard right now? Yeah. And and that's always what happens. Anytime you invent a new category and it really takes hold and really solves an important problem for customers and really helps them drive growth, you're going to get other people in there trying to do the same thing. And so, first of all, I would say that marks a first chapter of success. And you can't sit back and rest on your laurels. So we've been heavily investing in our products. And what I think you'll see is that our pace of innovation is faster than anybody on the market today. Because I think as a leader, when when you lean back, that's a problem. We're very much leaning in. We're releasing more than anybody in the market today in terms of uh, making our products better and better, um, whether that's through um, automation or um, customization and more. Um, so I think that's that's one key point of differentiation. I think the second big point of differentiation is we are an integrated suite, and most of the other products out there are an individual point solution just, just focused on, for example, helping sales teams or helping B2B SaaS companies convert visitors to their website and turn them into paying customers. We absolutely do that. It's a huge focus for us. And we then enable you to, once those customers become paying customers, continue that relationship through Intercom so you can sell more to them and keep them as happy customers and expand your relationship with them. So we're very much that integrated suite across sales, marketing, and support, which is, I think, another another big differentiator for us. Wonderful. Yeah. For those of you that listen to the Marketing School podcast, I, I talk about Intercom all the time. So um, it, it's because I'm a tools junkie. So I, I've used all the different chat um, platforms out there. And I was actually telling one of the, the other guys at uh, Intercom, Brian, that you know I, Intercom has surpassed, I think, everyone else right now, at least to my knowledge. Um, so I, I mean, it's, it's another point of verification right there. Awesome. I would say one one other dif- point of differentiation is um, we integrate in with your tech stack, whether that is HubSpot, Marketo, Salesforce, et cetera. We integrate in with all the top tools and we now have an open ecosystem. So one of the big changes we made about six months ago was opening up our platform. So we now have over a hundred apps that are integrated in with Intercom. So the things that you do in that little chat bubble in the, in the lower right-hand corner of your website are now so much more than just chat and conversation. You can book meetings. Things, you can buy things, you can get order status, all in an automated way. So having that integrated app ecosystem is a, is a huge point of differentiation too. Love it. And so much more power to drive growth. That's great. Karen, actually, how many minutes do you have left? Because I, I, I forgot I wanted to ask this one burning question in my head. I'm happy. Let's hear the burning question. Okay. So a former SVP of small business at Intuit, I mean, large organization. Uh, so I, I guess... How has your role changed? And then uh, that's the first question. And the second question is, what did your day-to-day now look like at Intercom? Yeah, so I would say there's actually a lot of cultural similarities between Intuit and Intercom in that both companies are very much customer-focused. Think first about the customer benefit that we're building versus just being companies that are sort of flash in the pan. How can I kind of drive the most revenue for us in the short term? So both both companies, I think, have some pretty similar um, ethics and values behind them. 
Intercom obviously is a much more like small, nimble company. It's it's been like incredibly exciting and energizing for me to be a part of Intercom and the the pace that we're moving is just super exciting. So I actually feel the most energized I've felt in many, many years, which is really exciting. That's great. And going back to, the, I mean, scaling from, you know, scaling these, uh, the, the three wins, right? Zero to 50, uh, 100 to 500, and 100 to 200, whatever it is. I'm making the, the, the third one up. But was there any, like, specific, you go into these businesses or, or business units and you're like, okay, I just need to pull this lever and we're going to 10x revenue. Is there anything like that? Is there that silver bullet or was there just this one process that you followed or playbook? Yeah, good question. So I think making sure that you are focused on your customer benefit and really show customers the benefit that you deliver is, I think, uh, while not a fast and easy silver bullet, is the durable way that you win. So be clear for every product that you sell, what is the benefit that you are giving to your customer? Why are they buying that product? Make sure you're clear about it in your upfront claims and then make sure you deliver on it in the product. So for Intercom, that's very much we help you drive growth with one of the claims and, and uh, proof points being that for companies that use Intercom, when they when they interact with their customers using Intercom, it increases their conversion rates by 82%. That's awesome and very clear what we do. And that's one of the things that we focus on. How can we make that better and better over time? So focusing on the customer benefit, I think is one clear way that you can win. And I'd also say there are short-term faster things that you can do. So for example, you talked about just implementing intercom on your site. So in general, I would say if you step back and think about yourself as a customer, think about your favorite purchase experiences, whether that's walking into an Apple store, buying something on Amazon, going to your favorite coffee shop or bar. Your pers- your favorite experiences probably have a great atmosphere of some sort and a way to get exactly what you want probably pretty fast. And so your favorite experiences probably do not include things like standing in a long line, <laughs> going to a website and filling out a form and wondering if someone will get back to you and when, maybe a few days later when you aren't even thinking about it. So I would say my my best piece of advice for quick acceleration of your growth is to interact with your prospects and customers in real time. And that's something Intercom can help you do. Um, When someone's coming to your site, you want to be able to help them get exactly what they need super quickly while they're thinking about it versus getting back to them when they're no longer a hot lead. This is also something that's now mainstream. So your competitors are doing it if you aren't. Um, and so make sure that you're the ones who are, in, you are the one who is engaging with your prospects and turning those folks into customers by getting them the value they need, the answers they need. And, it, and it's not hard. It's actually very easy to do. It's free to start and to try for small companies. It's even just $49 a month ongoing after that if you're part of our early stage program. And you will drive great growth that way. And it's both a combination. Uh, You can use whatever level of automation and people you want to have in there. So again, it's easy to start and and free to try. Perfect. I got two more questions and then we are all done. And by the way, for those of you that, I mean, Intercom's got its bot too. For those of you that want like a live person, I'm not affiliated with its affiliated with this company, but it's called LTV plus literally like lifetime value plus.com. You can check it out. Um, and they have a live chat agent for you that can be there and multiple ones for 24 seven. But anyway, so what is one tool that you've added in the last year? So not intercom, um, maybe it's like a Peloton bike or like, uh, Evernote, for example, that's added a lot of value to your life. 
Uh, great question. Um, you know, actually, a tool that I just implemented yesterday, or uh, not yesterday, about a week or two ago, was um, Moment on my phone. Oh, yeah. Um, and it just tracks how much time I'm spending on my phone and exactly what apps I'm in. And it doesn't have any restrictors on it, but it just lets me know how I'm spending my time so I can choose um, in an active way. And I find that I'm spending just even having just little reminders, it'll send me a comment like, you've spent 15 minutes on your phone, 30 minutes on your phone, 45 minutes on my phone. And I find those reminders to be super helpful. It's one of the things that I, I can easily fall into the trap of is doing too much on my phone that I'm either ready to, if I'm seriously working, much better to just open your laptop and actually work. Um, you can type much faster, do everything much faster. And so it's a reminder of to me of, hey, either get into like really productive work mode or put down the phone and do something else and engage in, in real life. So that's actually my, my favorite new app that I've tried in the last week. What are you averaging per day? Um, I'm averaging per day about an hour and a half on my phone. Wow, that's really good. I, I had moment for a while back and then it was like going up to four hours. And then like, I think I felt really bad. So I just deleted it. So I'm going to reinstall it now because of you. Yeah, I, I, I think I actually would have been more before I before I put on moment, but I kind of wanted to be on my best behavior to start. <laughs> <laughs> that's smart. I think it's setting multiple notifications. I think that's what's getting you getting you down for sure. I'm going to literally copy you. So thank you for that. Cool. Final question. What is one must read book you'd recommend to everyone? Ah, good question. I'll give you a, a couple of um, a couple of my favorites. One is if you've never read The Lean Startup by Eric Ries, please go out and read that. That's just a, a great way to figure out how to start a business and grow, um, starting with product market fit. And I, I have no affiliation with, uh, <laughs> with the publisher or anything there. A good kind of classic book, just in terms of thinking about life and life philosophies, is Mindset by Carol Dweck. She's a Stanford professor, and she talks about the advantage of developing a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. So that's kind of a classic favorite of mine. And my favorite book that I'm reading right now is one by Elad Gill. It's his High Growth Handbook. And that is a, it's a great read so far. Cool. I'm literally, it's sitting on my desk right now. So I'm going to check that one out. But all three of those are really good books. We will drop those in the show notes. But Karen, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? Um, you can reach me at Karen Peacock on Twitter. Perfect. All right. So we'll drop that in the show notes. Karen, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks so much, Eric. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.